Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. You're listening to Dan Issel and Louis Rabot on ESPN 680 and 1057. Now, here's Dan and Louie. And welcome back to the 11 o'clock hour. This is Issel and Louie on ESPN 680, 105.7. And sitting in for the vacationing, Louis Rabot this week is Mike Gandafo. And, uh, Mike, this hour of the show is brought to you by Delta Dental of Kentucky. Whether you're looking for dental coverage for your employees or an individual or family policy, Delta Dental of Kentucky has you covered with a nationwide network of dentists. Plus, they offer Delta Vision, comprehensive vision plan through VSP. Enrolling in a dental or vision plan is easy. You can call them at 1-800-955-2030, or you can visit them online at ky.com. DeltaDental.com. Now, Mike, uh, every Monday, Monday at moron. 11 o'clock, we have the Monday Morning Moron, brought to you by our friends at Buckler Farms. Uh, I almost made the Monday Morning Moron uh, Rihanna. Did you uh, Did you see the halftime show at the... Uh, I, I did. Uh, I, I thought, of course, this is my auto moment. Uh <laughs> I, I thought it was an X-rated halftime show. I think they're all uh, X-rated anymore, Dan. I, I mean, it's uh, she's grabbing places and rubbing places, and um, I was watching it with my seven-year-old grandson, among others, and um, and he said at the end, uh, "That's the worst halftime show I've ever seen." Now he has a small sample size since he's only seven. But I, I would tend to agree with them. Now, I guess people How about a seven-year-old like, having the hot take, though? I mean, the seven-year-old coming with the, you know, the, the worst halftime show. Listen, that was the worst my, halftime show. my seven show. years on this planet, you know? <laughs> but listen, like, let's talk but, about those halftime shows. He yeah, saw Dre, I, Dre I, last I, year? I, yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan. I don't know the music. Uh, the, the people that commented on it, I guess, thought she did a great job, especially yep. she hadn't toured for seven years. But I, I don't understand why you have to uh, why you have to act like that. And uh, Avery, you're you're of that ilk. You're of that generation. What did you think of of Rihanna? Okay, so I actually have lots of opinions all the way from the outfit to the actual performance. How about the pregnancy? Yeah, that was great. Huge. Like I I will say I'm really happy that she announced it. Most likely, like four months pregnant or so, based off of like her size. I know everyone is different. But also, this is when she announced her last pregnancy around the four-month, five-month mark. So that's what I'm guessing. Loved how she's like, oh, hey, I have a special guest that that I'll be carrying with me beforehand. And it just so happened to be little baby Riri. Uh Um, And then, like, I love the red that they had her in. However, the flight suit wasn't bad at the beginning. Like, she's up in the air, like, 100 feet or something. And, like, I figured they would do a little costume change before. Like, afterwards, like, a sure. quick little change. Just strip down to the uh, jumpsuit and the little bandeau. Love the red on her. They chose the right shade. Um, but they didn't. And so I was quite disappointed with that. Like, it would have been so nice just to see her in the jumpsuit and everything. And then they get into the rest of it. And she didn't do much dancing. And I, I get it. She's pregnant. Yeah, she's pregnant. But, like, with the rest of the choreography and the little bit that she did do, it was like they got a choreographer who's never choreographed a routine ever. Like, it looked so bad. Like, what was that whole bicycle move 
laying on the ground. Like, you're at the <laughs> Super Bowl. That's not, no. Like, this is also Rihanna. Like, give a good performance. Like, I did not like any of the choreography. It was really bad. Like, very subpar. I could have done better, and I haven't danced in years. I also <laughs> don't do hip-hop. You can do a really great freestyle hip-hop style with a ton of people, and they did not do that. What were those, like, the dancers even wearing? They, I don't know what they were wearing. That's a whole other thing. But the memes with those guys are fantastic. Because my favorite one was when they were running out, and they show all these guys wearing those white suits running out. And uh, they said, this is what it looks like when there's a bench-clearing brawl at a Major League Baseball game. And this is what the bullpens look like. You know, how they ran. So, uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. It wasn't I, good. I do like that. When she did sing, she actually did sing. She wasn't just lip syncing, which was great. But, like, I also hated the jacket when she went up to do um, Shine Bright Like a Diamond. And I I hated that jacket. Like, the whole thing, just not my taste. Love the set list, though. That's her only redeeming, like, that's the only thing that actually redeems it. I give it a C- minus at best. As, a, someone, as someone who bridges the uh, generations between Dan and Avery, because um, I always say, always say that there's nothing more messed up than the playlist of a uh, – if you check my playlist, a, a white guy in their mid-40s, their playlist is going to be everywhere from NWA to Frank Sinatra and everything in between. So um, – and so I – you know, I, I think you realize, you realize that she has a lot more hits than even I realized. Like I, I actually questioned whether or not she was a big enough star to have that – to have that uh, stage, um, you know, I don't know. I didn't pay much attention to it. I listened to it. It was fine, you know, but it just, it didn't do anything. But Dan, have you ever been to a Super Bowl? Uh, no, I have not. I went to a Super, and I tried to sit there. I, I got to go to the Super Bowl in 1995 when the, my 49ers beat the Chargers, and I had to think about who the freaking halftime show even was. Like I couldn't even remember who the halftime show was back when I that the one I went to. So I th- I think they've had some great ones. They I have. Mean, Pr- Prince was great. Prince uh, was awesome. I've been the best one. And and my best one was Bruno Mars. Uh-huh. I thought Bruno Mars was spectacular, but I just don't. I, I mean, I was embarrassed to sit there and watch it with my grandchildren with the way. She was grabbing and scratching, and uh, I, I don't know why they have to do that. Anyway, I thought the music before the game was fabulous. So you're a I fan of all, the Stapleton? Uh, Chris Stapleton nailed it. Okay. Absolutely nailed it. In my, of course, I'm a country and western fan. And but he's but from, he's new country, right? I mean, you. He's from Staffordsville. Staffordsville? Something like that. It's close to Paintsville. He okay. went to high school in Paintsville, but I, I think it's Stafford for something. Uh, Kentucky. He's an he's an Eastern Kentucky boy. I thought I thought it was good. All right. Well, having said all of that, we still haven't gotten to the Monday morning moron. Uh, Monday morning <laughs> moron is brought to you by Buckler Farms. Um, I'm going to be pushing this because I love I love this sponsor. I went out last week. Visited with Nate and Emily, a young couple, uh, just hardworking, salt-of-the-earth people. Uh, go to Buck- Buckler, B-U-C-K-L-E-R, Buckler Farms with an S, dot com. Uh, all of their uh, uh, pork and lamb is uh, non-GMO diet, wow. no hormones, no antibiotics. Uh, if you live in Louisville or within 50 miles of Shelbyville, they'll deliver it for you. Or you can take a nice drive in the country and go out and pick it up. But go to that website, see all of the uh, pork and lamb items that they have. I've had the bacon. I've had the uh, brats. Absolutely terrific. You won't buy your pork and lamb anyplace else once you've, once you've tried Buckler Farms. My Monday morning moron. I don't know if you saw this or not, Mike. It went viral. Was the little 12-year-old girl at the Warriors-Lakers game. Oh, when LeBron's Realizing that she was sitting next to LeBron LeBron James. Did you see that? Uh, I did see the clip. That of yeah. her of her freaking out because I you know I it, can make LeBron my Monday 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 morning moron but you know 
No, that's who it is. Yeah, okay, good. The mo- the moron is LeBron James. They She's sitting there next to him, and Lisa Saunders, the sideline reporter, goes over and interviews this little girl. And this little girl said, we bought our seats, we bought these seats months, months ago because we thought that LeBron might break the scoring record at this game. And then we found out that he wasn't playing, and we didn't know if he was going to. Now, the whole time that Lisa is interviewing uh, this little girl, they are six inches from LeBron James. Mm -hmm. And LeBron James is sitting there with his beanie on and his sunglasses. Anybody who wears sunglasses at night indoors (laughs) is a moron to start with. But... Lisa keeps looking at LeBron while she's interviewing this little girl. And this little girl's just going crazy. This is the greatest moment of my life. And Lisa asks her the same questions about four times in a row, looking at LeBron, expecting LeBron to at least acknowledge the interview, acknowledge the little girl, you know, smile at her. Uh, she asked her, "Have you got? Have you spoken to him?" "Oh no, I haven't talked to him." Hey, uh, you know, did you get his autograph? No, I didn't ask for his autograph. And LeBron is six inches away from this whole interview and does not even take the time to acknowledge this little girl who's going nuts because she's sitting next to him. And that is why LeBron James is Buckler's Farms. Monday morning more. I'll go back to even the unnecessary F-bomb he dropped after breaking Kareem's record. I mean, it just... I did listen. I mean, the whole way that that whole thing went down, and the it, it just. I, I would love to know. You know, obviously, I don't have the perspective of being on the upper echelon of that list of scoring in the uh, professional basketball like you do. I mean, first off, for him and Kareem to not have any kind of relationship whatsoever, it was so awkward between the two of them. Just like it was between him and this little girl, <laughs> and he. I give. You're the I com- give Kareem. I give Kareem tons of credit. Credit for even showing up to the game. And then not I that, really do. He took responsibility for their relationship being strained. I don't know if you saw that or not um, afterwards. And I, I, the way that LeBron has handled the entire thing that when that that's an iconic record in sports. Would you agree? That's no an, question. And no I question. felt like it was brushed under the rug, like no one really even cared about it. And it's one hundred percent because of the way that he has handled the entire situation and not understanding where his place in the game uh, requires him to be a little bit more than just uh, the prima donna that he has shown to be. And for him to drop that F-bomb at the, on national television when it wasn't needed, uh, just uh, that's just as vulgar as as Rihanna you know, grabbing yeah. herself. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. But, Did you watch uh, that? Did you watch the him break the scoring record? I did not. Okay. I, I did not. I don't I don't know what I was doing. I was doing something else. Yeah. But now I uh you know, I I've, I've said this many times on this on this show. Uh Kareem in my mind, Kareem's a, a special man. Uh not only for the longevity, the championships he won, uh the scoring titles that he had, but he is a very uh, very intelligent man. I mean, he writes articles for national publications. Uh, he's very thoughtful. He doesn't speak. And, you know, LeBron just tweets what, uh, whatever the politically correct thing to, to, to t- tweet. And I, I, I just, I don't, I don't like it. He'll, he'll, he'll never, I know he's got the record, but in my mind, he'll never measure up to Kareem. Yeah. I mean, I, and again, he doesn't measure up to Kareem or Jordan. In, in my estimation, no, so no, um, no, or I might I would even put Kobe in that as well, you know. So um, it is interesting. I mean, he is one of the few guys you can probably count him on one hand that came into out of high school with all the hype and actually panned out. I mean, you get Ken Griffey Jr. on the baseball side. Uh, I saw a stat. It's it's like out of all the number one picks in the Major League Baseball draft, I think only like the overall number one picks. I think like only three of them actually made it to the Hall of Fame, uh, with, with Junior being one of them. Mm. Um, and the way that Ken Griffey Jr. has handled that kind of responsibility and then watching how LeBron has been completely different. 
you know. And I know that their careers didn't paint out the exact same way where Junior got had some injuries and whatever else, and LeBron's been very fortunate not to have to deal with that. But it's just – it's uh, you hope that someone understands their sense of responsibility to the game, and I just don't think that LeBron understands that. See, and here's another thing I have a problem with. Uh, he hasn't played since he broke the record. You know, <laughs> last night – uh, you, you get a chance, not last night, night before last, you, you get a chance, you buy a ticket, and they're not, they're not inexpensive. I mean, Louie no. likes, no, L- L- likes to get in price for different athletic events. Uh, I guarantee you the get-in price was pretty hefty mm-hmm. for that Warriors-Laker game. And then S- Steph Curry and LeBron, neither one of them play. I, I think the NBA has a big problem with this, Mike, and I think that they will address it somehow in the new collective bargaining agreement. I, I don't know that they would ever my 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 situation would be that you if, if a guy doesn't play, you know, he only gets half his paycheck. You wouldn't you wouldn't see guys you know sitting out because they have a hangnail if that was the case. But you know that'll that'll never happen. But I guarantee you there will be something to address this load. I, I call it a load of crap management uh, going forward because you can't expect people to plunk down this kind of money to watch these games and you get there. And the people you want to see are sitting in the ben- on the bench in their street clothes. It happened to me one time, Dan. Um, I had the opportunity to go to the Reds game or go to the Kentucky Derby, and the Reds were playing. A, uh, they were playing a. Uh, I can't remember if it was McGuire or Bonds, but it was a player that I hadn't. It couldn't have been McGuire because I've seen McGuire play a lot, so it had to have been Bonds, a player that I had never really gotten to see play live before, and I took the opportunity to go see Bonds play instead of going to the Kentucky Derby and then Bonds sat the game out. Man, you'll be next Monday morning, <laughs> moron. There is uh, no there is no athletic event, especially a regular season game. There is no athletic event I would go to instead of the Kentucky Derby. Well, I'll tell you right now, I think that was part of the youth of me in that situation where I was probably taking <laughs> the fact that I've been to so many Kentucky Derbies for granted. And, uh, you know, so uh, I would agree with you now. Yeah, looking back at some of the dumb things that we do when we're younger, right? So uh, that was definitely one of them. Yeah, I've, I've told this. That, that didn't happen much. Uh, when when I was playing, I mean, I uh, one one of my one of the records that I'm most proud of in my professional career is that uh, in 15 years I missed 24 games, Mike. I, I, I in 15 years I never missed back to back games. Wow! Uh, wow! And it it didn't happen. It didn't happen much. I mean, that was I was very blessed that I never had a major injury. Uh, and I played through some some injuries and played through some illnesses, obviously. But um, I, I remember one time uh, we were playing. It was it was an exhibition game, and the Nuggets were playing uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, and it was someplace in Western Canada. I don't know. It was Ed, it wasn't Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, someplace okay. like that that I'd never been to. And so we come out, the place is packed. Uh, and um, one of the funny sidebars was when they announced us, they said, wearing sweater number 44. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were so used, used to, to hockey. hockey. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Wearing sweater 44. Um, but Julius was on that team. George McGinnis was oh, on that team. Jeez. And I think... I want to say Daryl Dawkins. Maybe it was Moses Malone. Anyway, uh, but I, I remember George, George and, and, and Doc weren't, were on that team. And none of the three dressed for that game. I thought we were going to have to fight our way out of the arena that night. I mean, people were booing. They were throwing stuff on the floor. And I, and I don't blame them. No. You know, they paid good money to come and watch those guys play, and they sit down. That, that was the only time I can remember it happening during my career. You no, know, one time I went – I used to love to go to spring training when I was uh, in the, my 20s, and 
I went down and I saw uh, the Orioles back when Cal Ripken was actually still playing. Now, he did not play in that spring training game. Uh, but you know what he did do? He went out probably in the fifth inning and probably signed autographs from the fifth inning all the way probably through the eighth inning. Right. Yeah. To make sure that, hey, I know that you all probably came. I mean, in spring training, you guys play and they don't play, whatever else. But he wanted to make sure that the people who came to see him play at least had the opportunity to get an autograph. Yeah. No, I, 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 I get that. I yeah. mean, spring training and, yeah, and yeah, exhibition yeah. seasons is different. Well, I think training. that's also, though, I guess, demonstrating the responsibility that you have when you're in that situation, right? And so, uh, and I think we saw, I mean, again, it was the Super Bowl, so he was going to play. But the way even Mahomes handled his injury, um, once it happened and never really made a big deal out of it. You know, high ankle sprains are extremely painful. He was not really in danger of injuring it further, uh, just the way those things go. But he was in a lot of pain and, um, he tried to not make any excuses for it. He dealt with it. I'm sure when he went down right before halftime, there was a lot of people who were wondering, you know, is he going to be able to come back? I was actually shocked that they didn't take him right back to the locker room right then and there. Yeah, but I, I yeah. think that had probably something to do with the fact that he wanted to show that he was strong and going to be there for his team. And, uh, you know, it was it was pretty impressive the way that he handled his injury. And I'm sure he's going to have – it's going to be painful for the next couple of weeks. But, you know, what? when you put that Super Bowl, right. Super Bowl ring on, it's all worth it. So. <laughs> oh, he's, he's kind of a throwback, isn't he? I mean, I, I, yeah. yeah. No, no question. No yeah. question. Uh, where do you where do you think? And we'll we'll talk more about the Super Bowl in the game in the uh, in the last half hour. But where would you where would you put <clears throat> Mahomes all time? Oh, well, it's too top- early to have that conversation, Dan. I mean, because uh, he's still got a long, long way to go, you know. Um, but I did see I did read this morning that he is the first player uh, at his age. He is the first player to have multiple, uh, or maybe the first quarterback, multiple uh, Super Bowl rings and multiple MVPs. Super Bowl MVPs. Yep, yep. And has he been an MVP of the league twice as well? Is that true? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's in some rare air right there, and I think it's now it comes down to his, you know, how long can he sustain that, uh, that level, right? And so uh, the Chiefs look like they're freaking geniuses for paying him what they paid him and making the decision to get rid of Tyree Hill and realizing they could make roster decisions around him and that he could carry the franchise, uh, that they could put find the right pieces uh, at an affordable rate. And now we're going to see what the Ravens do because the Ravens have got to look at that exact same situation and decide do they want their resources to go to the quarterback and then fill in around him because they think Lamar could be that kind of person or do they make that decision that he's probably not the guy. Um you know that's the kind of stuff that I like. I like looking at because you know in the NFL you only get so much money to deal with. Yeah, yeah, and, it's uh, a hard, it's a hard cap. Um, I don't know what. Of course, baseball doesn't have a cap, um, and uh, hockey. I don't. I'm not familiar with exactly how their cap works. I think it's more like basketball, where it's a soft cap, mm-hmm. and there are ways to get around the cap, but. Uh, the NFL, and I don't know how they ever got the Players Association to go along with this. The uh, the NFL is a hard cap. This is what you get to spend, and you can't spend a penny more. But the the thing that's amazing about this Kansas City team is, Mike, they have one of the youngest teams in the league. Yeah. That, to me, is just incredible. But that also means they're going to have these contracts that are going to circle back around, that they're going to have all these decisions to make about. Just like <laughs> just like the, the Bengals are going to have to make a decision on – are you going to keep Chase and Burrow and pay them both? Um, and then who's not getting the money when you do that? And um, it's it's a fascinating thing to kind of watch from the business side of sports. And I actually saw a post today that I thought was fascinating. Speaking about baseball not having a cap, they actually put what percentage of a player salary. So uh, the red, the Reds were in la- that had the highest percentage of their payroll going to one player. So the Reds have a seventy Joey, million dollars. Yep, seventy million dollars in payroll this year, and twenty, which is like second to last in Major League Baseball. Yeah. Third. Well, to last. it has to be. They, I mean, they've got five thousand people coming to the games. They can't. They can't spend much money. I mean, I'm a huge Reds fan. I can't tell you the last time I went to a game actually because of that. Um, and then the, uh, but twenty five million of their seventy million is going to Joey Votto. Hmm. Hmm. And they've got a few more years to do that, don't they? 
Oh yeah, I mean, I think you're you know you're probably looking at a guy who's. I think they're probably thinking he retires as red, but you, at some point you got to rework that contract and see if you can be competitive because they've got a lot of young talent um, that might not be quite major league ready yet, but they could be um, positioned really well uh, if this young talent develops. So, um, but yeah, they're they're going to have to decide whether or not they want to go for it or not. But um, yeah, thirty something, thirty three percent or thirty, not quite the little thirty six percent, I guess, is what it was. Of the, of the red salary is going to Joey Votto. Hmm. Unbelievable. You mentioned uh, you mentioned Lamar. How, yeah. how do you think that works out? Oh, I mean, if I'm making the decision, I mean, he's not a Raven next year. I mean, I I don't think I don't I don't think you can look at Lamar and Patrick Mahomes and say, I feel really good that Lamar's the guy that can we can put these pieces around. And he can take us to a Super Bowl. I think Lamar needs more pieces than that. And the one thing that uh, was incredibly different than the last time the Chiefs and they m- made this mention last night was they invested very smartly in the offensive line, you know, uh, and that's the one thing that I think you also got to really look at. I mean, in Lamar's situation, he's got a really good tight end, just like Mahomes does. It's n- Mark Andrews is not Travis Kelsey in any way, shape, or form, but he's still one of the better ones in the league. And no question, you've got some pieces. Um, you're going to have to be stout on defense because. Uh, Lamar, the way Lamar plays, he needs to have some time on the sidelines to kind of get ready for the next draft. But, uh, you know, does he have the other weapons around him? Can they put the other weapons around him to, to make that a sustainable and successful model, especially when you look at that? The AFC is going to be so freaking difficult for so many years because the Bills are good for a while. The Bengals should be good for a while. The the Chiefs are going to be good for a while. I mean, it's the AFC is going to be no joke. I mean, so... Uh, the NFC looks a lot easier to, to navigate right now than the AFC does for the for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I don't. I think you're absolutely right there. I think the the Bengals, the Bills, and and the Chiefs are going to be around for a while. And you know, maybe uh, maybe you can add the Chargers to that. Uh, they've got they've got some real upside. Yeah. Um, the ja- and the Jaguars, I think, could be the next one that joins that party. Right. So. Right. Right. Yeah. So so if they don't pay Lamar. Then, then what? I mean, they they probably put the franchise tag on them, don't they? I would agree. I would think that that's probably what they're going to do. Yeah, they're yeah. going to they're going to buy themselves some time to make so the decision makes itself, basically, right? Yeah, 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 for sure, yeah. for sure. All right, uh, this is uh, Issel and Louie on ESPN six eighty one hundred five point seven. Mike Gandolfo sitting in for Louie. Uh, we'll be back after the break, and uh, we'll talk more about the Super Bowl. So um, reminder that this part of the show is brought to you by our friends at Delta Dental of Kentucky. Delta Dental, ky.deltadental.com. Welcome back to Dan Issel and Louis Rebeau on ESPN 680 and 1057. Now, here's Dan and Louis. All right, welcome back to ESPN Louisville. Uh, I am Mike Gandolfo filling in for Louis Rebeau with Dan Issel. And uh, thanks to Melt 502 team for bringing by lunch to the ESPN Louisville studios. Free strawberry cheesecake rolls for anyone that comes in and mentions ESPN Louisville. 12 different savory and desserts egg rolls to choose from located in the heart of Fern Creek right behind Moby Dick at 6318 Bardstown Road. The building is still under construction, but Melt 502 is open Tuesday through Saturday, noon to 9 p.m. Order online at melt502.com. What are the what are the uh, the big Valentine's Day plans for you and Prime? Like what's what's going to what happens in the Issel household? <laughs> <laughs> you know what uh, we uh, we've been together for so long, Mike, uh-huh. and uh, you know we used to get uh, each other uh, nice gifts on all of the holidays, and that's basically gone away. Uh, I'll I'll get her some flowers, 
And that'll be about the extent. Of there it. it is. All right. One one thing we don't do anymore is go out. You know, we're not going to fight. We're not going to fight that crowd trying to go out and have dinner someplace. So it uh, it's pretty low key around the Issel household. What about you? Uh, well, again, you're probably in the same situation. The basketball season has interrupted Valentine's Day for so many years that we've kind of you know tried to keep it kind of low key as well. So my wife likes it. I, I actually can cook fairly well. So, you know, she makes her, um, her recommendation of she want, what she wants me to cook her, and she gets a special meal that I prepare by hand. So, oh, Very nice. Yeah. I like that. So usually like an Italian that. dish. So like last night, I made my sauce and got it all ready to go. And Really? Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, if, it, if you can't fix it in a microwave, I can't cook it. <laughs> we don't even own a microwave. How do you do that? You know, I warm up things in the skillet, or I use the air fryer, but I do not. We get our microwave died like five years ago, and we were like, you know, do we really want to use this? Is it good for you, and whatever else? And like, we just we got rid of the microwave, and we've never went back to get having one. Mm. So you mm. learned something interesting about me today that there's no microwave yeah. in the Gandolfo household. So I am making, um, you know, the, finally we needed more Italians in this place because the two Italians that are here just don't carry the the mantra of being Italian enough. So, um, I, you know, I came in here and Hey, there, there are up. people that might say we have too many Italians no. down there. Three, three Italians, I guess I, I should say, cause, um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think that's going to be it. That's what we're going to do. And then we'll Good. just kind of take it easy. There's no, I don't think there's any basketball games to interrupt us. This is actually like the first. It's been weird because my daughter's not playing basketball this year because of her concussion situa- situation. But so this is like the first time that we've been together. That there has not been a basketball season involved in our relationship mm. during the winter, which has been it's been interesting. Yeah, and with Kentucky and Louisville, you could argue there hasn't been the, one this year. Yeah, either. exactly right. So, and she actually used to coach high school basketball as well. So, um, awesome. it, we got it on both ends of us. Yeah, one awesome. year, Dan, I had my starters. Um, it was when I, we were young, and I was a young head coach, and I had my starters. Each of them had a different little gift, and so when they were announced, they ran up in the stands and they gave her the gift. Uh, oh. That was the only time I did anything kind of romantic or whatever. Oh, that's very sweet. Yeah. Very sweet. Well, let's, uh, let, let's talk in the time we have left here this yeah. morning. Let's talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. Sure. My impression was – it was one of the better Super Bowls that I've seen. I mean, it was very competitive. You were when Philly had a ten-point lead at halftime, and uh, Mahomes was limping to the locker room. You were a little bit concerned, but very competitive game right to the end. I thought, you know, Hertz did put it on the ground one time, and they ran it back for a touchdown. But both both quarterbacks played exceptionally well. Hertz. Threw for over 300 yards, a touchdown, ran for three touchdowns, which uh, tied a Super Bowl record. Terrell Davis for the Broncos did it. And the first quarterback uh, to Ma- do that, obviously. So it yeah, set the record. Yeah, for Ma- Mahomes, I thought was terrific. I thought it was a very well played game. Uh, I thought so too. I mean, I think there was probably no one who was um, more. I mean, obviously, didn't want the penalty call because it hurt his team, but uh, took the spotlight off that fumble when that when the call at the end of the game happened. Um, for the holding, the defensive holding call uh, from Jalen Hurts fumbling the ball. I mean, I, I feel like people forgot about that fumble. Um, and it was, I mean, as well as he played, it was such an egregious mistake. Just, I mean, he just dropped it. I mean, he didn't get hit. Yeah, he just mishandled it, and it was. Uh, and, uh, and then, of course, they had the other pick six that, or the other fumble that was ruled not a catch. And I. Can you determine in the NFL what's the catch and what is not no, a catch? No, I thought I thought for sure that was a Kansas City touchdown. I mean, he caught it, he turned up field, and then he got hit and dropped the football. I was I was shocked that they called that an incomplete pass. And uh, you know, there was, there was three of them, I guess, in that game where they were judge, uh, trying to determine whether or not it was caught or not caught, and you know. It's just uh, it's fascinating because I think if it looks like a catch, smells like a catch, then it is a catch. But because of replay, we've gotten into the the nuances of exactly what a catch is. Um, it's taken away a little bit of that human element, I guess. So uh, yeah, and that there was the one that that Andy Reid challenged, yeah, uh, that Goddard caught, and you know when when you slowed it down, I I mean they called it a catch on the field. When you slowed it down, I, I think they were right. I think the officials got that right. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, the, the holding call, I guess, 
you know, you still don't, even if they don't call that. I mean, you know, Kansas City still kicks a field goal. But, uh, but you know, there's time left on the clock for the Eagles. Uh, that's about the only thing, the holding call. But then, you know, Bradbury, he said, yeah, I, I grabbed him. Yeah. Now, the thing, the thing I disagree with, Mike, is that even if he hadn't, grabbed him i still don't think he catches the football no one because it was a long way right. over his head yeah i wait it was not catchable at all but i don't think on that defensive holding call uh, i don't think that matters right because it the defensive holding happens before the ball leaves the quarterback's hand right yep. so uh yep. yeah it's, it was crazy you know it was it was a great game to watch it was entertaining i mean it was uh enough action to kind of keep you invested where you didn't feel like it was dragging on the game moved pretty well um I was surprised from uh, – I'm a 49ers fan, um, and I was – the aggressive – now, I think they were uh, aggressive against the 49ers on purpose. They wanted to see what Brock Purdy was made of, and then when they knocked him out of the game, there was no reason not to be aggressive. Um, but I feel like that Philly defense was more aggressive the entire year. I mean, they led the NFL in sacks, right? And they just could not – and I, I couldn't tell if it was a scheme thing, but it seemed to, it seemed to me like it was – a scheme thing on the Eagles part where they were not going to be um, as aggressive going after the quarterback. And when you know Mahomes has got that rough angle, like why they didn't they didn't try to get him out of the pocket a little bit more, try to get him a little bit more mobile, put some more pressure on him. They, they stayed back. And I felt like their defensive game plan was completely different than what they've played the entire year. And um, so I don't know. I thought that was an interesting thing there. And, and then, of course, I think they got a little too conservative. And they never got – even though how good their offensive line played on those fourth downs, they could never really establish a good running game outside of Jalen Hurts. You know, yeah, they, they couldn't no. get Sanders going at all. Yeah. I, I thought where where Philadelphia – and I I did pick Philly to win. I, I, was, I was pulling for Kansas City because I'm an AFC guy. I'm a, I'm a Bengals fan and a, and a Bronco fan. So I was pulling for Kansas City, but I didn't think they'd win the game. I thought Philly, I thought Philly had the advantage in their offensive line versus Kansas City's defensive line, and I thought they had the advantage in their defensive line uh, going against Kansas City's offensive line. And neither one of those proved to be true. The, right. the one, probably the most shocking statistic, is that Kansas City picked up more rushing yards than philadelphia did yeah uh, I, I i didn't think that that was there was any way possible for that and then i um i i stayed up because it you know one is late here but afterwards chris berman uh had uh the post game show yes and, i got to see a little bit that, of that yeah and it was they had andy reed on there and 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 reed said we knew we could run the football against them, mm-hmm. and I, I, I that really surprised me because I didn't I didn't think they would be able to. And he also said, and and we thought with their defensive line being as good as, as it was, we thought the linebackers and the middle of the field was where we we could attack them, and that's exactly what they did, both with the run and, and with the uh, with the passes to Kelsey. So. Um, I, I was a little surprised. I gave I gave Philly the edge in those two areas, and I think um, you know Kansas City proved that their two lines were just as good, if not better, than Philadelphia's. Yeah, and uh, I would agree with that. Well, again, I, I still don't think that Philadelphia challenged the offensive line of Kansas City enough. Um, I, I really feel like they were pretty creative about how they got pressure on quarterbacks all year long, and for whatever reason, they didn't want to have any piece of that with uh with Mahomes and so they stayed back and they did a little bit more bend don't break and um you know and they probably could have been a little bit more disruptive than they were yeah and and I think I think both both defensive lines were probably I mean there wasn't a lot of blitzing I can remember Kansas City blitzing on a couple of occasions but as well as the two quarterbacks were playing I think they were afraid to you know take some take some people out of the backfield the defensive backfield and put pressure on the quarterbacks um it it was it it was a very interesting game and i thought at halftime i thought oh no here we go it's going to be another one of those blowout games but as you said very competitive very entertaining and i thought one of the better super bowls recently and then you know quite honestly it's very similar to what happened 
when Kansas City won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. I mean, they were down double digits in the fourth quarter, and they came back and they won. And uh, I mean, Andy Reid um, just showing that he's making the the right adjustments and putting his players in the right spot and not quitting. And uh, it was it was great. So the uh, the one thing that I think was interesting though also um, is that. I loved the the Andy Reid post game interview that you were talking about because he was there with Steve Young, and a lot of people don't realize that Andy Reid was the offensive coordinator for Steve Young yeah. at the Forty ers And then just thinking about how the because Steve Young to me was really him and Randall Cunningham at that time were kind of the on the forefront of that dual threat quarterback that has um, been embodied now. You know, you, we see it everywhere. Um, yeah, both yep. both teams had the dual threat quarterback obviously last night, so. Um, and just to kind of see the progression that's happened over Andy Reid's career, and just that guy's a hell of a coach, man. I mean, just incredible coach. He he really is. Uh, and and I think you know you kind of felt sorry for the other side a little bit too, because I think that guy is a heck. He's going to be. He's going to be a great coach. You know. Yeah. He got a little yeah. teary eyed there during Stapleton's. Uh, yeah. How about that? Yeah. How about that? You know, I think the I, you know people wanted to speculate on what it is, but I have a feeling that it was just the. The immensity of the moment, you know, when you're a second-year head coach at any level. <laughs> I mean, he never could been a head coach anywhere, and in his second year being a head coach, he makes it to the uh, to the Super Bowl. Um, I'm sure the immensity of the moment probably got to him a little bit there of what's getting ready to happen. Now, don't get me wrong, Stapleton's version of the uh, Star Spangled Banner was fantastic, but um, yeah, it was it was pretty cool to see just someone appreciate uh, being in the moment. So. There, there were a couple of uh, interviews uh, pregame. As I said, I watched most of the uh, golf tournament instead yep. of watching a lot of, of the of the pregame stuff because they kind of say the same things over and over. Did you happen to see the? Uh, I think they call him a mentalist on on the ESPN pregame show. I did not. This guy, was it the it former was Eagles? Was it the former Eagles player? By the way, that does magic. It wasn't him? Was it? No, okay. No, I, I don't think so. Uh, no, this guy wasn't a player because he's about four and a half feet tall. He couldn't have been a former player. But if you find a clip of that, it was on ESPN. Okay, and uh, he he does this thing. It was like four different parts, and it was it was just incredible, just incredible. Look look and see if you can find that someplace i definitely will. It, that's that stuff is fascinating to me so I'll, yeah i'll check it, it out it is i i don't know how he did it it was he had one part with uh with with uh circling a guy's name on the depth chart uh, another part was throwing footballs uh, another part was i mean it was just incredible see if you can find it because it, it, it was it was great um uh but uh yeah i I, I I don't know. I think Kansas City might be. You know, it's uh, they've been to the conference finals what five years in a row, and and as you said, well, no, they Reed, didn't go last year because the Bengals were there last year. Oh, the conference finals, yes. conference yeah, finals. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I yeah, think they've been right. to the, I think they've been to the AFC conference finals five years in a row, uh, and uh, you you wonder last night at the end at the end of the game if. Uh, Maybe Philadelphia ownership was a little sorry they they let Andy Andy go. But what what I was going to say was there were a couple of, of pregame interviews that I saw that I thought were really good. One was with Sari. Uh, how do you say his name? Sariani. Uh, uh, Nick Sariani. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, about his family, mm-hmm. a complete football family. His dad was a football coach. His two brothers football coaches they played football that was a great interview uh about the seriani family and the other one that i liked was there was an interview about travis kelsey and and it it was what a screw-up this kid was in college and and evidently just down the street at cincinnati yeah, yeah. and evidently even flunked out oh wow because uh, and so uh, he he got back. He 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 kind of got straightened out. They they put him on a program. He said, "I never missed a class after that." He said, "Which was rare, <laughs> very, <laughs> very rare for me to go to class." And 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 then they said, "I guess he was picked." I think he was a third rounder. And they said, "It was it, it was Kansas City's turn." 
and the phone rings and it's Andy Reid. And of course, Travis answers the phone and Andy Reid says, put your brother on because he he had his brother in Philadelphia. And he says to his brother, well, you know, if I take this kid, what am I getting? He said, am I getting some messed up guy that's going to waste a draft pick or is he going to be as solid as you? And his brother says, no, he's he's straightened out. He's going to be solid. And so uh, Reed hangs up the phone and dra- and drafts Kelsey. But I thought it was funny. He called. He didn't even ta- he didn't even talk to Travis. He talked to talked. He wanted to talk to his brother. So there were there were a couple of really neat things in the pregame. It's fun to see Jason Kelsey get the um, recognition that he deserves for being. I mean, Travis is the best tight end in football, but Jason's probably the best center in football. You yeah, know, you've got two Hall of Famers in that family. Um, I would assume. I mean, I don't think there's any assuming they're both going to be in the Hall of Fame, and yeah. uh, it's it's incredible to think that at two different positions, you know, for them to be as dominant as they are um, is unbelievable. So to see him kind of get uh, in that limelight uh, because of the brother situation was great because offensive linemen tend to get forgotten about, right? So right, yeah, for sure. I th- I also thought it was it was interesting that his wife was getting ready to ready to deliver a baby at any moment and took her OBGYN from Philadelphia <laughs> out to Arizona with with her in case something happened during the game. Do you have another read you have to do? Oh, I've got a couple of them real quick. Okay. I guess we should get to them. And then, of course, the Kentucky basketball looks to bounce back Wednesday on the road to Mississippi State and directly following the game, uh, join James Strebel and Jason Ince for the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife postgame show. Uh, we're the first place that will take your calls, texts, and hear from John Kyle Perry and the players. It's all Wednesday night around 1030 on ESPN 680, 1057, and, of course, the app. Uh, Louisville women's basketball takes on Notre, or goes to Notre Dame, uh, and this is your ESPN Louisville is your play-by-play home for Louisville women's basketball. The cards are back in action Thursday at Notre Dame. Uh, 6.30 is the pregame. 7 o'clock is the live play-by-play with Nick Kern. Directly following the, the postgame is the local YMCA postgame show with Dave Skull and Chrissy Banta. Uh, it's all uh, it's all Thursday night at 93.9 The Ville in the ESPN Louisville app. And, of course, our friends at Bellarmine. Um, ESPN 680 is the your flagship for Bellarmine basketball. The Knights are back in Freedom Hall on Thursday hosting North Alabama. Uh, join Doug Ormay and Mark Bug at 7.15 for the pregame. 7.30 for the tip-off right here on ESPN 680 and 105.7 as well as the app. Bellman's another uh, school locally that's going to have to figure out their player situation for next year. So Yeah, yeah congratulations. You got it all in there. Yeah, well, I mean, I, just, I know that you have the opportunity to speak more when I'm hosting than you normally would. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to take that away from you. So no, no, yeah. I, 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 I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I really do. So, um, um, Kentucky, what, what, what's your? Uh, well, we'll talk about it on Wednesday. You're, well, you'll the, be out. Yeah, we'll be, you'll out, be tomorrow. out. Actually, making a living tomorrow, but yeah. you'll be back on Wednesday. And then, uh, and then it's actually just leading other people to help me make a living is what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm, I'm meeting with my other agents at the at the real estate office there. So, uh, okay, yeah, that's what's Good. going on. But the, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, is Wednesday, and I guess we can just kind of prime it for that though. Is Wednesday is much of a must win? I mean, Wednesday's an absolute must win, right? I mean, it's yeah, yeah, because I mean, if if you think they have to go four and two. Uh, to make make the uh, to to make the tournament, absolutely, uh, Wednesday's a must win. So when you're coaching Dan and you know you're up against those situations that are must wins, do you do you bring that to the players and make them feel you know the urgency of the moment, or do you try to downplay it like it's just another game? Well, I I think you can't put that much pressure on one game. I think you do what Cal said in the in the clip. Uh, the good news is, guys, you know, we can still make it. We can still do this, uh, but we've got to play a lot better than we've been playing. And and so I think you, you, you certainly make them. I mean, first of all, first of all, if they're not aware already the, that this is yeah. a must-win game, then, you know, 
what are we doing, guys? You know that. Uh, but but I th- I think you could say the same thing about Saturday, and you know certainly they 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 didn't show up there. So uh, I, I I don't know. I but I I don't think you ever say, guys, we have to win this game. I mean you you know you kind of put a broader brush on it, but hopefully. Is the you broader got, brush you put on those like, hey, we're basically in elimination games almost the rest of the year? Yeah, I yeah. mean, and and hopefully you've got some leadership in in the in the locker room. <laughs> that's not that's and obviously I don't know not that happening. You have that yeah. either, but you have to have leadership in the locker room that is talking. Yeah, you know, guys, you, you realize how important this game is, right? So. Yeah, and again, I, and I, you you obviously have Oscar, and you have. Um, Toppin and even Wheeler, who've been there and they're upperclassmen who should be providing that kind of leadership, but there definitely is it seems to be a division between those guys and some of the rest of the guys. And then you pull in the other, you know, CJ Frederick and and uh and Reeves who are upperclassmen, but there's their first year at Kentucky. Uh it's 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 complicated. Man, it is that's a complicated locker room to kind of get them going where they gotta go. And then you you're so dependent on making sure that Wallace is playing well. Um, you know, and the way that he distributes, the way that he leads the team, all that stuff is so important. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. So we, but we can talk about it on Wednesday and just see where it goes from there. But uh, the uh, it's not looking promising right now for our local teams. Now, what um, do you put? Mike Mike Pratt used to uh, used to say, "I I don't know this nil stuff." Is going to work. Mm-hmm. I, I, it might it might lead to a, dis, a divisive locker room. Do you think that that could ha- play any part of it? You know, I I, I think the whole NIL thing was um, could could absolutely work if the universities stay out of it and let the kids figure it out for themselves. Hmm. I think hmm. the, the universities being involved with it probably makes that situation possible. Yeah, I I don't know how I would feel. I mean. I, I would I would know Oscar was National Player of the Year, and he's the best player on the team. But I don't know how I would feel when he goes out and gets in his Porsche, and I get on my bicycle. I don't I don't know how, yes. how that would work. Uh, all right, I hear the music, which means we're at the end of another uh, broadcasting day. Uh, Mike, thanks for filling in for Louie. Uh, have a good day tomorrow, and uh, we'll see you again on Wednesday. This has been Issel and Louie on ESPN 680 105.7. Have a great day, everybody. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition, and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, come on, muscle through it. But then also say, hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com.